All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Blaze Experience. You are joining us for episode number 22. And today, once again, we are back to talk about State of Decay 2. As always, every Saturday, we have a State of Decay 2 episode. So it is Saturday once again. So we're back with some more State of Decay. Who doesn't love zombies on a Saturday, right? But today's episode, I think, will be a very good one. And I think everyone will really enjoy this one. We did talk about some Drucker County bases last week in State of Decay. This week, are we are kind of keeping with the base trend. But instead of talking about the bases in a certain map, we're actually going to talk about all the facilities in the bases. So that's your small slots and your large slots. We're going to talk about all the buildings that you can actually build in your base. We're going to talk about what buildings are good, what buildings are bad, and basically just go down the list. And at the end of the podcast, I will rank these and I will give my top 10 facilities in State of Decay 2. So I'm definitely eager to get into this with you all. But in addition to talking about the facilities for State of Decay 2, we also are going to talk about a small bit of news. So we do have a little bit of news about the game. We'll get into that in a bit. But first, before we get into the news about the game, we have a little bit of housekeeping items for the podcast. So as most of you know, I did start streaming last weekend. I started trying it out, doing some test streams. And we are going to take that to the next level starting next week. Starting next week, I will have scheduled days that I'm streaming. We're going to start with just two days, and we're going to probably do uh, two four-hour streams for the week. So probably eight hours of streaming for the week. We'll start at that, you know, see how it goes. But I think that's definitely a good start. And basically how we're going to do it is on Tuesdays, I will stream a different game for the week. Uh, for example, this next Tuesday is going to be the game called Vigor. And then on Fridays, I will stream State of Decay 2. So basically how our schedule is going to look is Tuesdays, I will stream a game. And then Wednesday, an episode will come out. And then Friday, I will stream State of Decay 2. And then Saturday, an episode of State of Decay 2 will come out. So basically, State of Decay 2 will be, you know, back to back on Friday and Saturday. You're going to get some streaming for State of Decay 2 and an episode. And then this next Tuesday will be Vigor that I'm streaming. I won't always stream Vigor on a Tuesday, but it's a game that I'm definitely considering podcasting about. And I want to see what everyone thinks of it. But I do have a slot open in my schedule for later on this month. So I am thinking about podcasting on Vigor for that slot in my schedule. So, you know, definitely let me know what you think in that stream. I will be streaming next Tuesday, 10 p.m. to 2 or 3 a.m. Eastern Time. So it's going to be a late night overnight stream. And we're going to stream Vigor for four or five hours, basically until I get tired and have to go to sleep. But we'll do about a five hour stream of Vigor. And then the next day on Wednesday, we will have an episode about Sea of Thieves come out. We haven't talked about Sea of Thieves in a while, but I will have an episode on Sea of Thieves come out next Wednesday, and that will be all about the new DLC for Curse Sales. So stay tuned for that. And then on Friday, I don't have a time yet, but like I said, I will be streaming State of Decay 2 on a Friday. That stream will be during the day. I do know it's going to be during the day, so. If I had to guess, probably about like 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Time. But I will announce the time officially on the Sea of Thieves episode. 
So stay tuned for that. On Wednesday, I will officially announce what the time is for Friday's stream. And then I also want to announce that I did put up my first YouTube video of a stream. I put up the stream of the Vigor trial I did. I do have some State of Decay 2 streams that I did as well that aren't up on YouTube yet, but I am working on those, and I will have those up on YouTube as soon as possible. And basically the plan is I will do a stream on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday I will try and get the YouTube up for that. So basically you're going to get a stream Tuesday, and then Wednesday a YouTube video of the stream, in case you missed it, and also episode the same day. And then basically Friday we'll get a State of Decay 2 stream, and then Saturday, the YouTube video of that stream will go up along with the State of Decay 2 episode. So essentially, it's going to make, you know, every Wednesday and Saturday, you know, a double header for everyone. You're going to get double the content on Wednesdays and Saturdays now. But I hope you all enjoy that. You know, if anyone wants to comment on this new schedule and how things are going to work out, just, you know, give me the heads up and let me know. But that being said, we'll go right into some State of Decay 2 news. So we do not have a new patch yet. It's been kind of rumored for a little while now, but it has not been released yet. So, you know, here's crossing our fingers that we'll get it next week. You know, I never know. I mean, maybe next week is when it's going to come and then we'll have all these new things to talk about. But it sounds like it's going to be a really great patch that will, you know, fix a lot of things that the players are looking to have fixed. So I'm definitely excited for that. I'm excited to see what Undead Labs did with that patch. However, Undead Labs also had another great stream. As you know, they always stream on Wednesdays, and I will have the stream ID in the show notes for that. But just in case anyone forgot, it's going to be twitch.tv slash undeadlabs or mixer.com slash undeadlabs. That is how you can check out their streams. They will be streaming at 4 p.m. Eastern every Wednesday. So definitely check out those streams. You'll see me on Mixer. I don't usually go on the Twitch part of that, but I usually Mixer chat. So definitely check it out on Mixer and you'll see me in the chat. Or if you want to check it out on Twitch too, that's fine. But I just won't be in the Twitch chat. But in this last stream, one of the interesting questions that I asked and got an answer to. Basically, when you have an infestation, anyone that's played a little bit, they know that the infestations show up with yellow markers to indicate where the infestation is. But... For experienced players, if you've already searched a lot of the buildings and taken out a lot of infestations, as you progress in the game, infestations pop back up. But what's been happening, especially for players that have searched a lot of buildings, infestations will pop up at a building you've already searched, but it won't have the yellow tag. So basically, you're going to have all these infestations in your map, and you're going to have to manually hover over all of them to find out if it's an infestation or not. And... I did ask Undead Labs if they knew about this and if it was going to be something they were working on. And essentially the answer I got is that it's something they were aware of and they believe it's part of the next patch. So, you know, hopefully we'll cross our fingers that in the next patch that's something that will be fixed. That would definitely be awesome because it's kind of like this patch is supposed to be a quality of life thing. And that's definitely a quality of life item because... It would make it really nice to actually have all the infestations show up with a yellow marker, even after you search the buildings. So that would really be handy. It would just make things a little bit easier. But in addition to that stream, we also had some other news that I got from talking to one of the developers from Red Labs. 
Basically, I had the opportunity to speak with one of the developers about bases, which is obviously our topic today. I talked to Brian Giami, who is the designer that works a lot on the bases and facility mods. So he definitely has a lot of expertise in designing the bases you're going to see in the game, the facility mods you'll see in the game, and just anything that's kind of the general realm of base mechanics and things like that. So that's kind of the things that he worked on a lot. And I did have a chance to ask him some questions I had about bases because I had three questions that I felt were fair questions that I didn't really know the answer to. And honestly, he provided some really interesting and enlightening answers. And I'm very happy to share those answers with you today because I think these are answers that are very interesting and that you'll find very useful to know. So I'll just um, go into those questions that I asked and I will read what he responded and, and you can kind of get a feel for what the thinking was behind these questions that I asked. But one of the questions I asked is, why do some bases have built-in latrines and others have bathrooms shown in the base but they don't count as bathroom and are just more flavor so like uh, an example this is the rural, rural police station the rural police station it has bathrooms in the base but it doesn't count as a latrine so you can see the bathroom there and it's like part of the you know kind of flavor of the base but it doesn't actually count as a latrine so I asked him why that was and what Brian told me is Originally, we wanted to have some bases to have latrines, like full facility versions of those, but things felt weirdly unrealistic, and so we wound up adding visual-only latrines to some other bases. The intent was to make those bases' bathrooms look so banged up that they wouldn't be useful. As you've guessed, this was done for the sake of balance. If everywhere had a latrine, it wouldn't contribute to the fundamental choices of where to make your base. We can't make things seem like real world and have toilets be that exclusive. But since we wanted to incorporate the idea of a functional bathroom as a way to approach morale, it meant that we had to consider the gameplay implications of how functional they looked. So that's definitely a lot of really insightful stuff to take in. So essentially, to kind of break that down, basically what Brian's saying here is that it would be way too unbalanced if they added latrines into every base because there's a lot of bases that have toilets and a lot of, you know, things you'd find in the world that you would expect to have a toilet, you know, maybe a diner, a police station, you would expect those things to have toilets. So basically what they had to do is for a lot of balancing purposes, they couldn't make them all have latrines because that would just kind of take away the effect of having a latrine. I mean, if every base had a latrine, then it wouldn't really be as, you know, unique or as useful. So what they did is they added some of these toilets into the bases, but more as kind of like background flavor. But they wanted to make them look, you know, too decrepit that it would kind of be understandable why they aren't usable. So essentially, like the rural police station, for example, that bathroom is kind of deemed unusable because it's just so decrepit now that no one can even use it. And that's kind of like the, what the field they were going for, because basically these bathrooms are just so destroyed and run down that you can't actually use them anymore. You know, maybe like hypothetically, like a juggernaut got in there and, you know, just destroyed the plumbing of the place. Something. You never know what actually happened. But, you know, in the game lore, maybe that's like, you know, the kind of thing that happened or who knows what actually happened. But basically, the main thing is that these toilets that aren't counting as latrines it's partially for balancing, 
And to make it kind of realistic, they made them look really run down and decrepit. So that was definitely a really nice, insightful answer to that. And thank you, Brian. I really appreciate that. Another question I asked is, will there ever be a feature available to clear built-in facilities if we want to replace them? Especially ones that use small and large slots, such as the Taekwondo gym in the abandoned strip mall. And what he told me is, no, because the art for those is built very specifically for the layout and the base. Built-in facilities should function as well as their fully upgraded counterparts. So you shouldn't need to upgrade a built-in bathroom. At this time, I have no news I can share about future bases, and I want to caution against the idea of making a perfectly empty base that's equal in effect to the ones with some built-ins. If we make one that's clearly the best, people won't ever choose the others, and our overall replayability for the game will be less. So essentially what he's saying here is, because the issue I had is the abandoned strip mall, the Taekwondo gym, like that's something I don't really want there personally, and... I couldn't actually destroy it. I couldn't take that out of the base. And he told me that it's not going to be something in the future where you can actually destroy those because the art and everything is built specifically for that base. So it's kind of already built in. But he did say that built-in facilities like latrines, for example, they should function as uh, just as well as the upgraded counterparts at the wood. So, for example, the urgent care facility in the abandoned strip mall that should function just as well as a level three infirmary will so the facilities that are built in should have the same effects as the upgraded versions that you can't actually build over so that is definitely nice and i definitely understand what he's getting at with um not making any perfectly empty bases in the future because one thing i suggested is is there going to be a possibility of making like a 3500 cost base that has, you know, just a bunch of open slots and the player can design it the way they want? And he was kind of cautioning against that because if they did something like that, then that would automatically be the best base because the player could just take all these open slots and customize it the way they want. And that being said, it would kind of take away some of the replayability of the game because all the other bases in the game, players wouldn't really want to use those as much. So I I definitely see his point here. And after hearing him talk about it like that, I, I kind of agree with him, honestly. I mean, after hearing him explain it that way, I think it's definitely reasonable to not make a perfectly empty base because I don't want to take away any replayability of the game. And I don't want to have one base that's, you know, far and away above the rest. Like... I want to have, you know, things be fairly equal. I mean, I want to have some advantages some places and then some advantages other places for other bases. And I think that's kind of what he's trying to go with and, you know, make everything as balanced as he possibly can. So even though, like, the Taekwondo gym might be what I see as kind of a detriment of the Mana Strip Mall, things like that could actually be built into the base to kind of balance things out more. So even though I, I'm a little frustrated that's built into the base, I would much rather have the Taekwondo gym built into the base that I don't want there than to have a situation where we have like a perfectly empty base and it just takes away a lot of the fun of the game. Because I definitely, I mean, personally, I'm always going to find this game fun, honestly. Like even if there was a perfectly empty base, but 
I don't want to have a lot of players lose fun in the game because there's just one base that's far and away above the rest, and that's all they ever use. And that wouldn't really be fun because there's a lot of great bases in the game, and they're definitely fun to try out, you know, see what you like about them, see which ones you don't like. It's definitely fun to try out all the bases, so... I agree with him, and I kind of hope they don't make a perfectly empty base now that I've heard him talk about it. But again, a really insightful answer, and definitely thank you again, Brian, for that. That, w- that was a really amazing answer, and it's definitely providing a lot of enlightenment to me about like the whole base operation and how they go about this. And I hope you guys are enjoying these answers, too, because I think these are great answers, and they provide a lot of insight into how the base mechanics are actually created and what their thinking is behind this. So I I definitely hope you guys are, you know, liking these answers as well. But one other question I did ask him, I asked him, what is the reason for clearable slots as opposed to just making them an open slot at the start of the base? For example, a trash clearable slot versus just having that an open slot automatically. And he said the clearable slots serve a couple purposes. It gives you some beds right when you move in, and it also gives you some quick materials right after moving in. So this is something that I subconsciously knew, but it's something I never really thought about more than a subconscious level because like, I keep using the abandoned strip mall, for example, but it, it honestly has a lot of examples for some of these questions. Like, Take the laundromat in the abandoned strip mall. The laundromat is a clearable slot, so you can clear this slot to make an extra small slot. And basically, when you clear this slot, you get a bunch of materials from that. So you get materials and parts. And this is something I subconsciously knew happened. Like, it's not that I didn't know this happened, but it's something I didn't really think about on a deeper level. Because hearing him talk about the previous answers and then hearing him say that for this answer, I thought about on a deeper level where clearing that laundromat to get the materials and parts, that's kind of a balancing thing. because. If they just had this be open slot automatically, then things would be less balanced. But because they put it in as a clearable slot, now that it's a clearable slot, they're basically rewarding you by giving you extra materials and parts. So think of it that way. Like I never actually thought of the clearable slots like this, but the clearable slots are basically supposed to be gifts for the player, essentially. That's kind of how I look at them now after hearing about this, because every time you clear a clearable slot, you're getting extra parts and materials from that. And that is honestly really nice. Like, like I said, I I knew that like subconsciously in my mind, but I didn't actually think about it from a balancing standpoint, because this is kind of something that they actually use to balance the bases. So there might be one base that has extra open slots, but if a base has a clearable slot, then you're getting extra stuff out of that base. So that's kind of a thing to reward players a little bit more for picking bases that have a clearable slot. But yeah, that's basically the questions that I asked Brian. So I definitely want to thank Brian again. It was really nice of him to sit down and talk to me for a little bit. And it it was definitely nice to have some of these questions answered because these are questions I was really curious about. And I thought that there would be a lot of thinking involved behind them. And there definitely was. I definitely wasn't disappointed because he had some great answers to these questions. And I feel like I have a lot more insight into how the bases are designed a little bit now, which is really nice. It's definitely nice to get some insight into his process, and that's really appreciated that I actually got some of that insight. So thank you again, Brian. If 
I, I really love this Undead Labs team. They're a great team, and everyone's just been so nice. And I just really love Undead Labs. They're such great developers. They're all really nice people, and they just really love to engage with the community, and that shows. And and I love that about them. So thank you to Unled Labs. Thank you to Brian Giami, who is the designer in charge of bases, facilities, and looting and things like that. So definitely thank you to Brian. And I don't have his Twitter offhand, but I'm sure you could find him if you just search for his name. So thank you once again, Brian. That's really appreciated that you actually took the time to answer these questions. All right. That being said, that's basically all we had for news for the game this week. But as I said at the top of the episode, we do have a very fun topic to talk about today. We are going to talk about all the facilities in State of Decay 2. And in total, if you don't count things that are automatically built into every base, such as like your command center, there are 25 different facilities you can use. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk through the 25 facilities, kind of go over you know what they do, uh, what it costs to make them, some of the requirements. I'll probably give a little bit of insight into them. And then at the end, I will rank the top 10 out of the 25. But first, we have a category of crafting and building facilities. So the crafting and building facilities, they're obviously doing what you're thinking they do. You know, they craft and build things. Pretty self-explanatory. But the first one we have is the workshop. Now, what the workshop does is it crafts explosives, it fixes weapons, and it also lets us salvage weapons for parts. And I do want to say that another thing it can do, too, is it can make ammo. You do need the mods to make ammo, but it can attach mods that can actually make ammo for you. So you can attach like a rifle press, you can attach a magnum press, you can attach a shotgun press, and you can make all sorts of different ammo for your guns. So that is another feature that the workshop has available, too, because you can't attach these presses to anything besides the workshop. But this requires a small slot. It can be inside or outside. And then in terms of the cost, it costs three materials. It costs one person, you know, one labor, and it takes six minutes to make it. And honestly, your workshop is really great. I mean, workshop is a must-have in every base. You know, unless it's like your very first base and, you know, you don't really have a lot of space because you needed something else at the time. Unless it's a situation like that, you definitely want a workshop in every single base. The workshop is completely essential. Just the fact that you can fix weapons there alone, like that's one thing alone that makes this thing huge. Because as you know, if you've played the game for a little while, your weapons break and get damaged so often that it, you have to repair them. And if you don't have a workshop, you can't even repair your weapons. So this is absolutely useful. The explosives, I, I'm not a big explosives guy. I've said that on a previous podcast. I mean, the explosives are fun to use. I mean, it's definitely something that's a lot of fun to try out. But in terms of functionality, I could see some players making a lot of functionality of them. But the explosives just aren't something that I use a lot in my everyday playstyle. But I could definitely see other players having a completely different playstyle where they use explosives all the time. So it's just kind of a preference thing. I mean... I just don't prefer to use explosives as often. So to me, that's not a huge part of the workshop, but I mean, it is there if you want to craft some explosives. You can also salvage weapons for parts. And then if you use a certain mod, we'll get into mods in another episode, but 
there's a certain mod that actually allows you to salvage more parts out of weapons. So that's even better. But it's a low cost thing as well. I mean, three materials isn't that bad. It's obviously going to cost you more materials if you want to upgrade it to level three. But it's still, it's still worth it. I mean, I would still absolutely upgrade the workshop to level three. But just kind of the base workshop is still definitely worth it. And like I said, you can attach your ammo presses to this and make any kind of ammo you want. If you have the right press, that is. You have to have the right press first. But that's kind of the workshop. Next, we have the kitchen. The kitchen will affect morale and stamina, and it manages rationing. And it can also make fatiguing, removing consumables. This requires a small slot. It can be inside or outside. And the cost is three materials, one labor, and it takes 12 minutes to make it. So it takes a little longer to make the kitchen, but that's fine. Honestly, the kitchen is pretty good for morale. I mean, and if you're hurting on food, it's definitely nice for the rationing that you can do because the rationing will actually save some of your food longer. It will actually cut the amount that your people eat in half. That way it saves the little food you have left longer. So if you're struggling early in the game for food, then the kitchen might be something that really helps you out because you can actually ration your food. And it also, it, you can make coffee with the kitchen, which is definitely useful because making coffee will actually remove fatigue from your characters. You can make snacks, which snacks will give you your stamina back. You can make nutritious snacks if you have the right skill, which I talked about that skill in a previous podcast. But if you have the right skill, then you can make nutritious snacks, which will give you a little bit of health and stamina at the same time. So the kitchen is definitely useful. I mean... I would say it's not, you know, a grandiose facility where it's going to absolutely change the game for you, but it's definitely a facility that's worth having. I mean, it, it definitely has some use to it, and it definitely has some functionality that's worth having. It's just, compared to other facilities, it's not as useful, but it definitely has some use in my eyes. Next, we have the staging area. So the staging area is a little more situational in my eyes, but... In the situations you do need it, it's amazing to have it. Basically, what the staging area does is it speeds up build times and it reduces facility maintenance cost to zero. So say you have like a couple hydroponics, you have some upgraded shelter beds, things like that. There's things in the game that if you upgrade them or if you have these facilities in your base, it will take materials per day. So it has a cost of, you know, one material per day. And that adds up pretty fast. So like you could get up to, you know, minus five materials per day just because you have all these facilities in your base that take one material every day. And that's kind of what the staging area is for, because say you had minus five materials per day. If you build the staging area, that offsets all those costs. So basically all the minus five, it just goes back to zero. So it's really handy because it offsets all the cost of operating your base. So... The reason why I say it's situational is because if you have a base that's not using materials, then you don't really need a staging area because essentially the staging area is used for if you're using a lot of materials, build a staging area. So it's situational in that sense that you're not going to need it if you're not using a lot of materials. But the requirements, it is a large outdoor slot that is required. So you need a large slot for this. And the cost is five materials, two labor, and it takes 12 minutes to build it. 
So that, that's still not a lot of cost. You know, it does take large slots. You are going to have to use one of your, you know, valuable large slots for it. But honestly, the staging area is worth having as long as you're using materials. Like the speeding up build times. I mean, how that could help is say you move maps and you wanted to rebuild your entire base. Cause obviously, you just moved maps. So you have to build a whole new base. The staging area could help with that because basically you're going to have to build everything at once, right? So if you build the staging area first and then you use the boost on that, then you're using this boost. So you're going to get 50% extra speed on your build time with the staging area. So that means all the stuff you have to rebuild in your base, it's going to build even faster now. So that is the best situation I can see for using the staging area for the build bonus. Is if like you're switching maps and you have to build a whole new base, you can build that base a lot faster using the staging area. But the staging area is definitely worth having as long as you're using materials. Or if you're moving maps, then you could just use it real quick for that and then destroy it again if you don't need it. Which, now that I say that too, I, I think there should be some kind of negative cost to destroying buildings. Like, you get your materials and things back. I mean, because I think it makes it a little bit too easy in some ways and a little bit too like what's the word i'm trying to think of it's kind of like too nonchalant i would say because basically like another one i haven't talked about yet like the auto shop or something you could you know get all the stuff you need from the auto shop then destroy it again and then build something else i mean it's nice that you can you know destroy and build things at will like that but I think it would make it a little bit more costly to the player if they maybe took away some of the materials. Like, for example, the staging area takes five materials to build it. If they even just made it so when you destroy it, oh, you only get three materials back or something. Just to make a little bit of cost to that. That way it kind of discourages players from, okay, I'm just going to build this for, you know, two minutes to tear it down, build something else, tear it down, build something else. Like, it kind of deters players from having a sort of cycle like that if there's a little bit of cost associated with it. I know you do lose, like, say you use some scraps of circuitry and stuff. You do lose that at least. So at least that's some of the cost. And maybe that's how they balance that. I mean, because that is something you lose. So maybe that's how they actually balance that. And I think it's probably just the early items that don't cost any, like, circuitry and stuff. Maybe those could be... A little bit better balance where you actually have some cost to destroying them that's just kind of my thoughts on that i mean if you listen to some of the podcasts so far you know i'm all about making things balanced and kind of you know enhancing the experience for the player because i really don't want it to be too easy so if there's something that can be done to you know give it a fair challenge like not a challenge just for the sake of you know making it hard for no reason but if it's within reason to actually do something to make the game harder, like, say, nerfing the 50 cal, like, I'm all for that, honestly, because if something's too overpowered, then it should be nerfed a little bit just to make it a little more balanced. But next we have the forge. And speaking of buildings like that, the forge is one of those facilities that basically you can build a forge, make all the stuff you want, and then destroy it. And then, you know, the Forge is not really a building that I kind of see for a long-term use. I see it as a building that you just build it, you know, get all the use you want out of it, and then destroy it again. I think some changes could be made to it. That way it's a longer-term building, but 
basically what the forge is. It crafts melee weapons, materials, and parts. And if you have the metalworking skill unlocked, it features some masterwork weapons that you can build as well. There's four master weapons, and you can build these four masterwork weapons. And if you have the construction skill, this will unlock the ability to convert parts to materials. So if you have a lot of parts and you're low on materials, you can just make some materials that way. It requires craftsmanship as a skill, and it requires a large outdoor slot. And the cost, it costs two cases of chemicals, 10 materials, four labor, and it takes 48 minutes to build. Which saying that too, I mean, the 48 minutes build time, that could be another way they actually balance this a little more. Because if you are building it just to, you know, use it real quick and destroy it, it at least it takes a little while longer to build it. Because 48 minutes, you're going to have to wait a little bit, a little while to actually do that too. But the forge, I mean, it's not a bad facility. Like... If there's more masterwork weapons in the game, then I think it'd be a little bit more useful because you'd have a lot more variety you can make and you could actually, you know, make a bunch of masterwork weapons and get some more use out of that. But, I mean, to me, I don't like to convert parts and materials because my parts are pretty valuable to me, so I like to save my parts. So I don't use that skill as much. So for me personally, I mainly use the forge to make the master weapons, so... I just build the forge, make the master of weapons, and then destroy it again. So, to me, the forge doesn't have a ton of use right now. I mean, it, it's not horrible because it unlocks, you know, some pretty decent melee weapons. I mean, these aren't, I would say, the best, best melee weapons, but they're definitely, you know, fairly up there. So, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say in the forge. I mean, it, it's not the greatest thing of all time, and... I would say it's probably below average. It's not the worst either, but it's definitely below average, I would say. All right, next we have the Auto Shop. The Auto Shop crafts vehicle upgrades. It also improves vehicle durability. And the requirements are you need someone with auto mechanic skill, and you need a large outdoor slot. The cost of this is two scraps of circuitry, 10 materials, four labor, and it takes 48 minutes to build it. So the auto shop, if you've listened to previous podcasts of mine, then you know that I do value the auto shop a lot. I think the auto shop is definitely great because this is the way you're going to get your upgraded cars. I mean, technically you could buy upgraded kits already made, but that's going to cost you a lot of influence to buy all those. So to me, the auto shop is the better way to go. You know, just use some of your parts, you know, make some really nice upgraded cars and be on your way. The auto shop does have a little bit more longevity than the forge because it does improve your vehicle durability, which is very nice. So that does give some incentive to actually keep at your base instead of just automatically destroy it. So the actual vehicle durability is definitely useful. But yeah, there's not a lot to say about the auto shop. I mean, it's pretty obvious what it does. You know, it makes your upgraded cars and it gives you some extra durability. And it's honestly a really good facility. Like, just... I don't usually keep it very long, though. I, you know, upgrade the cars I need to upgrade and then destroy it again and make something else. So it's more of a situational thing when you're ready to upgrade your cars, make an auto shop, and then tear it down again. But you do need the auto mechanic skill in order to do this. So definitely one of the better facilities, just it's not great for long-term use. All right, so next we have a new category, health and sleep. So we have the shelter beds. These are just, you know, two beds. It takes a small indoor slot. 
takes three materials to build it, one labor, and it takes six minutes to build. I mean, there's not much to say here. It's just, you know, two beds for your people, and it's obviously great to have because you need beds for your people, but there's really not much else I could say. So just two beds, basically it. But the next one is also very similar, outdoor beds. This is two beds, but it has a morale penalty, and it's a small outdoor slot. And this takes three materials, one labor, and six minutes to build. So the difference here is that with an outdoor bed, you're going to take a morale penalty, and that's just because your people don't want to sleep outside. So, you know, whatever characters you have, they're, you know, a little bit crankier. They don't want to sleep outside. They don't want to be in the elements. They got to have their, you know, nice cushy pillows inside. That's how they operate, so. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, not much else to say about that, though. There's just a morale penalty with that. So if you can help it, you definitely want to build the indoor beds because you won't have the morale penalty. But some situations, you just can't help it. So I definitely understand if there's a situation where you can't help it. All right, so next we have our infirmary. So with the infirmary, you can treat blood plague, craft cures, craft bandages, and you can also craft herbal remedies. But that's only if you have water access for the herbal remedies. This can be built in a small indoor or outdoor slot. It takes three materials to build, one labor, and six minutes. And honestly, the infirmary, it's basically your medical facility. And essentially, it's where you heal your people. So, I mean, it, it kind of goes without saying. It's, it's very, very useful. It's very handy because you can put somebody there that has blood plague and, you know, kind of reduce the effects of it. You can treat somebody with, for a couple of meds and get rid of all their negative effects, you know, like all their injuries and things. So... You can craft uh, painkillers and health consumables like that. So uh, honestly, I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about it just because it's kind of self-explanatory. Like, it's your medical facility. It does anything you need that's medical. So definitely a great facility to have, a must-have facility. I mean, you pretty much, technically you could probably do it, but you pretty much can't make a base without an infirmary. You need an infirmary every single time. So, you don't have an infirmary, go make an infirmary. So, next we have the barracks. The barracks provides four beds. And if you upgrade it to barracks level two, it actually provides eight beds. This needs a large outdoor slot. It takes five materials to build it, three labor, and 30 minutes build time. And honestly, the barracks is so useful, especially if you have a barracks level two, because a barracks level two, that can basically sleep your entire community right there. So just one large slot, you know, one barracks level two, and your entire community can sleep. And this is so useful because then you don't have to waste outposts on beds. You don't have to waste extra facility slots on beds. You can save a lot of slots for the things you actually want to, you know, try out and use if you just have one barracks. So I definitely recommend using barracks because a barracks is very useful and it saves you a lot of bed space. So definitely grab a barracks. It's really going to help your community and it's going to take care of your bed situation for you. But next we have the resource production section. So the first one we have here is your garden. This provides you one food per day. It requires a small outdoor slot, takes five materials to build it, one labor, and takes 12 minutes to build. Um, the garden, I mean... 
it's really not that useful because there's a lot of better options, but the garden is something you want to use in your first couple of days in the game because you can't really build anything else yet because you need, you know, certain skills or something like that. So the garden is definitely nice if you are just starting the game. But other than like your very first base, like the starting base, I would never use a garden outside the starting base just because there's other options that are better for you to use. And we'll get to those options, but besides your starting base, which I, I think that's what it's meant for, honestly. The garden is meant for your starting base, and I think that's basically it. But after the garden, next we have the still. The still can craft fuel, provide base-wide water, and also slightly boost morale while water access is active. If you have a trader as your leader, the still can be upgraded to produce valuable luxury items for trade. So basically, if you have a trader leader, then you can craft whiskey, and then you can use this whiskey to trade people. So essentially, it's you know getting you influence because you use ethanol, you use the ethanol and craft whiskey, and then you take the whiskey and bring it to traders, and you trade it for influence. So essentially, you can kind of farm influence. Now, it's not a ton. It's like, I think, 77 influence per, you know, three bottles of whiskey. So it's not like it's a ton of influence, but you can still farm some influence, which is very nice. But this requires a small outdoor slot and the knowledge of chemistry. And the cost is five materials, two labor, and it takes 16 minutes to build. So honestly, without a trader, this really isn't worth your time that much because, I mean, you can boost morale a little bit, but there's other ways to boost morale. It provides you base wire water, but there's better ways to get base wire water. But So... It doesn't have a lot going for it unless you have a trader leader. If you do have a trader leader, it's very, very nice because then you can actually craft that whiskey and have extra items to trade to get more influence. So it's definitely one of the better facilities if you have a trader leader. But without a trader leader, it's it's not useless, but it's getting to that point, I would say, without a trader leader. Next, we have the farm. The farm provides two food per day, so that's already better than the garden. It takes a large outdoor slot, and the cost to build it is one box of seeds, five materials, three labor, and 30 minutes time. So the farm in some ways is almost worse than the garden because it takes a large slot away, and I value my large slots a lot because there's not a lot of large slots in a lot of bases. So I really value my large slots. So that's kind of why the farm isn't really a choice for me a lot. I mean, if you do upgrade it, you can get up to four food a day, but it takes a lot of upgrades to get there. And honestly, there's still a better option than the farm. So unless you plan on upgrading all the way, then it's probably not worth your time as much. But even upgrading all the way, I would still rather have the next option because the next option takes a small slot. And I like saving my large slots for other things, so I probably wouldn't use the farm that much, but I mean, it's definitely a step up from the garden, so if you can't use this next one, then you know the farm is the way to go. But the next one, that would be hydroponics. Hydroponics gives you three food per day, but it needs power and water to function, and the requirements for it, it needs water and power, like I said. But it also needs the skill utilities. So if you don't have anyone with utilities, then you can't make it as well. And then it either goes in a small indoor or outdoor slot. The cost to make it, it costs one box of seeds, two scraps of circuitry, five materials, 
free labor, and it takes 22 minutes to build it. So it does have a little bit more cost, but it is certainly worth it. I mean, those are, you know, table scraps worth of extra materials. I mean, two scraps of circuitry is nothing. So it's definitely worth it in that respect. And honestly, the hydroponics is amazing. I mean, three food per day. If you pair that with a facility mod called compost bin, then you can pretty much feed your entire community in with one hydroponics almost. I mean, depends how big your community is, but basically a compost bin that can be used to double your food output. So with one hydroponics with three food per day, you can get six with a compost bin. So that alone can almost feed an entire community. So that's why the hydroponics is so amazing because it provides so much food to your base and it doesn't cost a lot to make it and it can fit in a small slot. So like my current base, I actually have two of these right now and I'm just building it food and building it food. One of the downsides to it though is like we mentioned with the staging area earlier, it does cost one material per day to run it, but Honestly, I think that's well worth it because, you know, a lot of you probably know how sometimes you can get in dire situations where you don't have a lot of food and you need more food and this will take care of that problem for you. So definitely hydroponics all the way. That is how you want to get your food. If you don't have, you know, utility skill yet, definitely go try to find one because hydroponics is really worth it. And now we move on to the next category we have, which is morale and training. One of the ones in this category is the fighting gym. The fighting gym will train you in fighting, give you plus 20 health, and it also increases the rate of fighting improvements. It requires either a small indoor or outdoor slot, and the cost is 5 materials, 2 labor, and 16 minutes build time. And then, since it's so similar in style, I will read the next one as well, and then I'll go over both of them. The next one is the shooting range, which this one trains you in shooting. It gives you plus 20 stamina, and it also increases the rate of shooting improvement. This one also requires a small indoor-outdoor slot, and the cost is also 5 materials, 2 labor, and 16 minutes to build it. So yeah, the reason why I read those together is they're basically the same thing, except one is shooting, one is for fighting, and then the shooting range has, it gives you access to 20 more stamina, the fighting gym gives you access to 20 more health. Personally, I prefer the shooting range a lot more because not one, it has stamina, which I love stamina. And two, not only that, shooting, it takes longer to upgrade on your characters. At least in my view, because the fighting, I mean, you're fighting all the time in this game. And, you know, you're going to level up your fighting pretty fast no matter what you're doing because you're always going to be fighting zombies somewhere. But shooting, I mean... Unless your playstyle is a lot different than mine, I feel like you don't shoot as often. So the shooting one, I think, would take you a lot longer to level up. So in my eyes, shooting is a lot, the shooting range is a lot better because it not only gives you the 20 stamina, which I'm, I'm going to love, but it gives you access to quickly upgrade your shooting skills and your characters. That way you don't have to go waste a bunch of bullets. And that's the other thing, too. I mean you know, fighting, you're not wasting materials, you're not wasting resources to go out fighting and leveling up on your own. But shooting, if you level it up normally, you're wasting resources because you're taking away some of your ammo stockpiles. So you have to fire off ammo and waste your ammo to actually upgrade characters' shooting stats. 
with the shooting range, you don't have to worry about that. You're not wasting any of your ammo. So you can get a fully upgraded character with your shooting skill without wasting your ammo. So yeah, that's kind of the reasons why for the shooting range or the fighting gem. I mean, the fighting gem, don't get me wrong, it definitely can be useful to you. And if you don't have your characters fighting all the way up, there's definitely no reason not to use it. But it just, compared to the shooting range, it seems lackluster to me because the shooting range does a lot more for you with the 20 stamina access and to be able to train in shooting and not actually waste the resources. To me, that's a lot more important. But next we have a latrine. A latrine will boost morale. It requires a small indoor or outdoor slot. And the cost is one chemical case, one material, two labor, and it takes 16 minutes build time. So the latrine is basically just for morale. And I do use a latrine a lot just because I like having high morale. So it's definitely nice for that. If you upgrade it to latrine level 2, you get even more morale. So honestly, latrine is very nice. It's just something that isn't really necessary, but I do personally use it a lot because I like high morale, but it's not something that's necessary. It's just something that's nice. So that's kind of how I describe it. So there's really no necessity to have it. It's just, it's kind of a bonus to have if you have the space in your base. All right. So next we have the lounge. Now the lounge gives you one bed, many morale boosts and different ways to use available labor to boost morale. It requires a large slot, and the cost is 5 materials, 1 labor, and 12 minutes build time. Now the lounge, especially if you upgrade it to lounge level 2, it provides you so much access to morale. I mean, even without using facility mods, there's so many options there to use your labor and actually gain more morale, and you can actually do all of them. So you don't have to just choose one. You can actually choose them all just you have to do them in succession so if you choose one option then you can do the next one after that finishes and so on and you can actually have all those bonuses you know going to your base so you can have four different morale bonuses at the same time which is very nice it just costs a little bit to do it i mean some of them take labor and some of them take labor and something else like i honestly forget what the cost was but it might have been like labor and like two meds to do something so some of them do cost a little bit, but the lounge is very, very useful, honestly, because if you're ever struggling with morale, the lounge will take care of that problem for you. I mean, it has access to four different options to raise your morale, and then if you use facility mods, you can raise even more. And then on top of that, too, the lounge offers you one bed, so the lounge is very, very useful, and it's a facility that I always use in every base now, unless I'm at like a starter base or something, you know, something small, but... If I'm at like an end game type thing, then I always use lounge now because the lounge is very, very useful to have and it just takes care of any morale problems you ever have. So if for some reason you ever dip low morale, if you have a lounge, you can just get that back up there really fast. So the lounge is hugely useful and it's honestly one of the better facilities, I think. All right, so next we have the category of defense and utilities. So we have the watchtower. This enables armed guard reduces the threat, and requires ammo and at least one armed survivor to function. And it requires a small outdoor slot, costs 5 materials to build, 12 minutes build time, and 1 labor. Honestly, the watchtower is overrated in my opinion. The only time I like a watchtower if it's already built in for me. If it's not already built in for me, I'm not going to build one because 
The main reason for that is you're going to lose some ammo, which you don't want to lose ammo. And it does reduce the threat for you, but honestly, I'm never worried about threat because my community can take it, I feel like. Like, I have my threat high sometimes, and I don't even care because if a wave of zombies comes, I'll just take them out. So, it just depends on the community you have. I mean, if your community is not a seasoned community, then it might be more worth it for you to actually have that extra protection. But my community I'm using right now is a seasoned community, and all of them have upgraded stats. So, you know, my community can definitely handle a horde. So, I'm not that worried about it because they all have upgraded stats at this point. But if you're not in that type of situation and you're in an earlier situation in the game, Watchtower could have a little more use to you. And speaking of early game facilities, next we have the Ring Collector, and this is definitely an early game facility. It provides you base wide water, and while we have access to drinking water, the morale will be boosted. So basically it boosts your morale, you get access to water, it requires a small outdoor slot, and then it takes 10 minutes to build it with one labor and one materials. So the Ring Collector, I mean, it's a way to get water if you need water. And it's more of an early game thing, I think. I mean, the best way of all to get water is just to have the Builder Legacy Boon. But if you don't have that and you haven't beat the game as a builder yet, then the Rain Collector could serve as a way to get water for you. So it's a cheap way to get water. Just to me, it's a waste of a slot because there's a lot of other things you can use that are better than the Rain Collector. Like even if you put a still there, a still can at least be more useful, especially if you have a trader. But next, I'm going to kind of read these a little bit together um, because they both provide power. So we have our generator. This provides base-wide power. It needs fuel to function. And while we have access to electric light via power, morale will be boosted. It takes a small outdoor slot. You need five materials, three labor, and 16 minutes to build it. And like I said, I'm going to say this one together with it, the solar array. This also provides power, but it's provides free silent base wide power it also gives the kitchen a bonus via hot water and then it requires electricity and a large outdoor slot to make it you need 10 scraps of circuitry 10 materials four labor and 48 minutes time so the solar array if you're listening is, is definitely the better option for sure i mean the generator you're gonna have to burn fuel to use it so you don't want to burn fuel that's one negative thing there and it also causes noise and increases your threat, making it more likely to get an invasion on your home. But the solar array, it doesn't do either one of those. The solar array is free power, so you don't have to spend any fuel at all. And it's silent, so it's not going to actually increase your threat. So hands down, the solar array is way better. The only caveat is that the solar array takes a large slot, so it does kind of balance it out a little more that way because you have to use a large slot which your large slots are a little more coveted but if you need power solar array is definitely where to go definitely a better option and it will make your life easier if you don't have power but also provide extra peace of mind that the generator doesn't offer because the generator doesn't offer the peace of mind of having you know it be silent and it also takes away your feel so solar array is definitely your way to go but the generator, I mean, if you really badly need power, you can use the generator if you really wanted to. And it does take a small outdoor slot, so it is a little bit more accessible in that sense because you can use small slots to make it. So the generator is not a bad thing to have if you need it. All right, I will mention a sort of 
category of things that are like already built into every base real quick. You have parking slots in every base. You have storage in every base, which storage is basically just, you know, to store your supplies, whether it's food, whether it's ammo, whatever it is. Storage is basically to store your supplies. And then the command center. The command center, what it does is it lets you spend influence to locate resources, survivors, or play cards. Or spend you can spend labor to earn influence. Then it also provides you base management. You can research new territories and you can broadcast. So essentially, like it sounds, your command center is basically your hub. And you always want to upgrade your command center to level 3. That way you get extra outposts. So definitely find somebody with computers. That way you can do that. But your command center is basically your hub where everything happens. And that's kind of how you look at it. All right. And our last category is going to be your leader projects. So your leader projects are all projects that you need a certain leader type to make them. And each time you actually want to beat the legacy, you have to have these buildings if you have that leader. So first we have the trade depot, which is if you have the trader leader type, you need this one. This one, you can summon traders. You get free influence per day. And you can summon any trader you want over the radio. It requires you to have a trader leader and a large outdoor slot. And the cost is two jugs of ethanol, 10 materials, four labor, and 48 minutes to build it. And honestly, the trade depot is amazing. I mean, the reason is you can summon any trader you want. So say you're low on meds, call a meds trader for 150 influence. If you're low on ammo, call an ammo trader, 150 influence. Are you low on food? Call a food trader, 150 influence. Like, it's so amazing because for 150 influence, you can call any trader you want and buy rucksacks off of them. That way you can fill whatever you're low on. And they don't just come with rucksacks either. They actually come with other things too. Like, say you call a food trader, they might have some food-related mods too. Like, they could have a slow cooker. They could have, you know, if you call the meds trader, they could have some bandages for you to buy. So they'll have some rucksacks for you in the type that you called, and it'll also have related items, which is very nice. But yeah, the Trade Depot is just amazing because of that, because anytime you want something, just call a trader really fast. Next, we have the Field Hospital. This heals all injuries and sickness. It enables passive recovery of health and removal of trauma, injuries, and infection. It treats the blood plague, crass plague here, and many other medical items. This requires the sheriff leader and a large outdoor slot. And the cost is two cases of chemicals, 10 materials, four labor, and 48 minutes to build it. And honestly, the field hospital, in my eyes, unless you have to beat the sheriff legacy, it's not worth your time because your infirmary does the same thing as this, basically. So you're better off to have an infirmary level three and not ever worry about this and just save your large slot. So... To me, unless you have to beat the Sheriff Legacy, it's not even worth talking about this because, I mean, you can have a small slot with your infirmary and that is so much more useful to you. So just make an infirmary. Don't make this unless you are beating the Sheriff Legacy. And that's the field hospital. So don't make a field hospital unless you're beating that legacy and that's it. Right. The next one is also kind of iffy for me. It's the Sniper Tower. It gives you the Radio Unlock Sniper Cover. It requires ammo and at least one armed survivor to function, or two for the full effect. This requires you have a leader of a builder and a large outdoor slot. And the cost is two cases of chemicals, ten materials, four labor, and 48 minutes. And again, this is not worth it to me because, I mean, to me personally, I don't ever need the sniper cover. 
And why am I going to want something that's going to take more ammo away from me? Like, I want my... I want my ammo more than I want sniper cover. Unless you're beating the Builder Legacy, it's not worth it at the sniper tower. I mean, it basically serves the same function as a watchtower. It just gives you sniper cover radio command. I will say, though, aesthetically, it looks nice. I mean, it's bigger than a watchtower, and it looks very nice aesthetically. So, you know, if you want to see it just for the aesthetics, it's definitely nice. But functionality-wise, I mean, it doesn't serve you functionality-wise. So, unless you're beating the Builder Legacy, then... Don't really worry about it. And the last leader project is the armory. This crafts ammunition, military explosives, and any ammo type and top tier explodables. This one requires a warlord leader and a large outdoor slot. And the cost is two scraps of circuitry, 10 materials, four labor, and 48 minutes. And this one is honestly very well good as well because if you don't have all the facility mods that can make the ammo, so like say you didn't have the shotgun press and you want a shotgun ammo. If you had your armory, you can make any ammo you want without worrying about the mods. So you don't have to have all the mods and you can just have an armory and make them all. So the armory is definitely a useful um, leader project. So it definitely makes the warlord more useful in comparison because you can just make any ammo you want. And you know be on your way to shooting zombies or hostile humans. So it's definitely nice in that sense. And you can also make your explosive if you like explosives. So, but just because you can craft all the ammo with that armory is definitely useful. It's more useful if you don't have the facility mods to make ammo. If you already have the facility mods to make ammo, then it's not as glamorous to you. But, I mean, if, if you don't have those mods, it's very glamorous to you because that's your way of making ammo. So, definitely get the armory if you don't have the facility mods. But that is it for our facilities today. So, yeah, I hope you liked the analysis of those facilities a little bit. But now that we've talked about all 25 facilities, we are going to jump right into the ranking. So we'll just start with number 10 and go down to one. So number 10 ranked facility out of the 25 is your still. And the reason why this still is on the list is because... If you have a trader leader, then the still is so useful to you because it's basically a constant stream of influence. So you can keep making whiskey and just get a, you know, a constant kickback of influence, 75, 7 influence every time you make three bottles of whiskey. So I just, you know, when I had the still, I just kept constantly making whiskey. Every time it stopped, make another thing of whiskey. Every time it stopped, make another thing of whiskey. So it, it is very nice in that sense. And it provides a steady stream of influence, which really helps you out. So... Like, influence is so useful that, like, influence as the currency of this game is something that you definitely want to get as much of as possible, and the still allows you to do that. Now, the reason it's number 10, though, and not higher is because it's specific to only the trader leader. Like, if you don't have the trader leader, then the still is not that useful to you. I mean, basically, all it's going to do for you is provide a little bit of options for morale, and it'll provide base wide water. But without the trader leader, the still would not be in my top 10. But because it's so effective with the trader leader, I think it deserves top 10. Because if you're using that leader, it's very effective and very useful. So I had to kind of weigh that a little bit. I had to kind of weigh like if it was with the trader leader, it'd be higher than 10. But without the trader leader, then it's not on the list at all. So I kind of had to try and weigh those against each other and see, okay, well, 
if with the trader leader it's way up here but without the trader leader it's way down here where does it kind of fall in the middle of that so just the facility alone i think it falls at number 10 i think number 10 is fair for it if like i said if you were using the trader leader then it would definitely be higher number nine is our staging area and the reason why this is number nine like in terms of being lower is just because it's situational i mean the staging area is very, very useful, but it's only useful in situations. So if you're not using a lot of materials, then you're not going to need a staging area. But if you are losing a lot of materials, then you want a staging area because that's going to save you and it's going to reduce all your costs to zero. So that's kind of why the staging area is number nine. I mean, I talked a little bit about it when I talked about the staging area itself, but I mean, if you are losing a lot of materials, it's a great thing. If you're not, then it's not really worth your time. So that's why it's, you know, it's still on the list because it's very useful to you. But since it is more situational, I had to put it at number nine instead of higher. Number eight is also something that's kind of situational or something that you're not going to keep and keep using long term, which is your auto shop. And the reason why that's number eight is kind of like I just mentioned. I mean, you're not going to build an auto shop and probably keep it the rest of the game. It's not something that's going to stay at your base for a long, long period of time. So for that reason, I had to put it at number eight. But the flip side of that, the reason why it is in the top 10 is because you can make all your upgraded cars. And without this, you can't really get your upgraded cars. I, I do always keep saying the counterpoint is the counterpoint is you can buy all your upgrade kits with influence. But I mean, to me, it's a waste of your influence to do that. So I would rather spend my influence on something else. So to me, the auto shop is number eight. I think it fits in well there. Number seven is the shooting range. Now the shooting range gives you the plus 20 stamina access. So everyone knows by now I love stamina. So that is one reason it's on the top 10. And another reason it's on the top 10 is kind of like we talked about when I mentioned the shooting range earlier is it's saving you ammo because if you're using this shooting range to upgrade your shooting skills, you're not wasting your ammo. And also the shooting takes a little bit longer to level up because you're not shooting as often in my experience. So the shooting range is definitely worth having. You're going to get some extra stamina out of it. You're going to get some shooting training for all your people and you're going to save ammo. So it's kind of a no brainer. I mean, the shooting range is definitely great. I don't see any issue with it at all. And I think it definitely deserves top 10. I mean, I think it's definitely useful to you and it's not just useful, you know, some of the time it's useful pretty much all the time. I mean, if you have all your characters upgraded in shooting, it's at least going to be useful for the stamina because the stamina is going to help your characters out a lot. So shooting range is definitely great at number seven. All right. Number six. See, this is another one where I had to kind of balance things because well, number six is the trade depot. So and the reason why it is on the list is pretty obvious, but the reason why it's a little lower might not be. So basically, I had to kind of balance it because it's only usable by the trader leader. If you have a trader leader, then Trade Depot would hands down be my number one. But if you're not using a trader leader, then obviously you can't use it. So if you literally cannot use this facility, if you don't have a certain leader type, then it's hard to put it even higher than six. I mean, six is honestly probably pretty generous for not being able to even use it with three leaders. 
but it, it's so powerful and it, it's so amazing to actually be able to call for any resource you want. I mean, it, it's basically like buying a pizza. It, it's like the apocalypse pizza, you know. Anything you want, you just call up the pizza place and be like, hey, uh, can I get a large pepperoni, please? They come right over to your house, deliver it right to your front gate. You don't even have to leave your house. Like it, it, It's that easy. I mean, and that's what makes the Trade Depot so valuable because you can call for anything you need at any time. So to me, the Trade Depot would be number one if it was available for everyone. But because it's only available to the trader leader, that kind of knocked it down for me. So I had to kind of compromise and I had to kind of weigh both options and put it at somewhere that I think fits in the middle where it's taking a penalty for not being available to everyone, but it also is rising up because it's such a great facility. So that's your trade depot at number six. All right, number five is your barracks. And the barracks gives you the four beds, and if you upgrade it to level two, then you get eight beds. And honestly, like having enough beds to you know sleep your whole community from one building that is amazing, and that is why it's in the top five. Because if you get it up to Barracks level two, that is perfect. Because you can sleep your entire community there, and well, unless you have over eight, but I mean, most people are going to have eight or less. So for the most part, you can sleep your entire community there, not worry about it. You don't have to waste outpost slots, and you also don't have to waste base slots either. So you can have more facilities in your base. So that is why Barracks is number five. It's a great facility. And it's going to help a lot with your sleeping for your characters. Number four is the lounge. And the lounge is so great because I've seen a lot of people in my community, for example, have issues with their morale. And the lounge is so great for the morale. If you have one lounge in your base, then basically you can just use all the features of the lounge to keep boosting your morale. And you can kind of make it so your morale never gets too low. So... That is why the lounge is in the top five. I mean, it is basically the master of the morale because just think of it. You know, it's a lounge, so you can basically do all different types of things. You can play board games with it. If you have some facility mods, you can play some video games. But even without the facility mods, it's still great at boosting your morale. So you can schedule a break. That's another thing you can do. But there's a lot of different things you can do with it, and all of them just boost your morale up and it's honestly an amazing thing for your morale. And like I said earlier, every single like end base I use now, I always have a lounge because it's always great to keep your morale high. And I've even had my morale maxed out at 100 before. So it takes some work if you want to get it to 100, but you can definitely max it out at 100. And the lounge is definitely a way to help get there. But number three, number three is your infirmary. And honestly, the infirmary gets so high because it operates just the way you'd hope it would. I mean, it's a medical facility that can do anything you want. You know, it can help you with the plague here. It can treat your injuries. You can make your painkillers and your bandages from it. I mean, there's not much to say with it because it, it operates how you would think a medical facility would in any game. So, but that is also a testament to it at the same time because. Undead Labs made it so it works so well that, you know, you don't even have to really think about it. Like, it just does what you want it to do. And the infirmary is amazing, and it's something that you absolutely must have. And because you absolutely must have it, that's why I put it so high. So, 
You know, you have to have an infirmary. You just can't play the game without an infirmary. I mean, you, you just can't, in my eyes. Like, because without an infirmary, you can't make painkillers. You can't heal your people from blood plague. You can't actually treat injuries. Like, technically speaking, you could probably win the game with, without using it. But there's just no reason to. I mean, if you don't have to, you know, go without it, then why would you go without it? It's definitely a staple of your base. That being said, we'll move on to number two. Number two is your workshop. Again, a lot of the same lines at the infirmary. I mean, it's a staple of your base. You must have a workshop. You cannot not have a workshop because without a workshop, you're not going to be able to repair your weapons and you're not going to be able to make ammo unless you have the armory. So, like, you need to be able to make ammo. You need to be able to make extra parts if you need them. You can, you know, scrap weapons into parts and you can repair your weapons. I mean, your weapons break down so much that it you're going to need the workshop. So you have to have the workshop pretty much in my eyes. And it's just so useful to you in so many areas that it made it all the way up to number two. But that being said, we only have one left. I'm sure by now you can probably guess which one it is. Number one facility in State of Decay 2 is hydroponics. And the reason for that is because... Being able to feed your community is a big part of State of Decay 2, and what do you do when they're hungry? You build a hydroponics. That's what you're going to do. Hydroponics gives you three food per day, and like I said, if you find a compost bin facility mod, then you can make that six poo a day just from one of hydroponics. Like It's so useful, and not only that, unlike the farm, it takes up a small slot, and it's so much better for it to take up a small slot than using a large slot. Because usually a lot of bases have a lot more small slots. So you can take up one small slot inconspicuously and then you're ready to go. The hydroponics is so useful and the little tiny drawback of using one material per day, it's it's honestly not enough to worry about because literally all you'd have to do to counteract that one hydroponics is get one outpost of materials. And then it counteracts the hydroponics right there. Or if you had a lot of materials that were going out, then you could build the staging area, which we ranked number nine. And if you have the staging area, that negates all that. But the hydroponics is amazing. That is going to be your mo your best source for food in the game. Technically, you can get a farm that gets higher, but because the farm takes up a large slot, in my eyes, the hydroponics is the best source for food. It just does take a little while to get it, though. So you need base-wide power, you need base-wide water, and you need the utility skill. So... For, you know, newer players, it is going to take you a little while to get to hydroponics, but I think that's why it's like that, because it's so powerful that, you know, I think Undead Labs wanted to balance it a little more by making it so you had to, you know, do a little more to be able to get it. But going through our list one more time, we have number one, hydroponics, number two, workshop, number three, infirmary, number four, lounge, number five, barracks. Number six, Trade Depot, which needs a Trader Leader. Number seven, Shooting Range. Number eight, The Auto Shop. Number nine, Staging Area. And number 10, The Still, which is basically useful only with Trader Leader. And that is our top 10 facilities in State of Decay 2. So I, I definitely hope you guys enjoyed this. I have a lot of fun going through these topics and kind of breaking down all the things that are in the game. And there's so much to talk about with this game that I just love coming on every week to talk about a different topic with it. So I 
can't thank Undead Labs enough for making this game. I mean, this game is amazing, and it's the best game I've played in a long time. So I'm definitely excited to keep playing this game, and I can't wait for that next patch, and I can't wait even more for the next DLC. But I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. I think we talked about a lot of facilities, and I think this will actually give you a little bit of help in building your bases now, because now that you know what the facilities do and you know which ones are the best ones, this should help you actually build your base properly and, you know, give you a little bit more enjoyment from the game that you actually have a top tier base. But if you like this episode, if you didn't, if you have any comments on it and want to tell me what your rankings would be, then to get in touch with me, you can get in touch with me via our Discord, which is going to be in the show notes. You can email me, theblazeexperience at gmail.com. You can find me streaming on Mixer, which will start next week on Tuesdays and Fridays at mixer.com slash blazeexperience. Or if you want to add me on Xbox Live and play some games with me, you can add my gamer tag, Blaze Experience, which will be B-L-A-I-S-C, capital X-P-E-R-I-E-N-C. And our Twitter will be the same exact thing. If you want to contact us on Twitter, it's capital B-L-A-I-S-E, capital X, capital P-E-R-I-E-N-C-E. And that is the same for Twitter and my gamer tag. So definitely get in touch with me and let me know what you think. If you want to find the podcast, I think you already know how to do so by now. But just in case, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, Blueberry, Acast, Radio Public, and many other directories. We're on a lot of directories, so definitely check us out on any of those. I will mention that we are also part of the Podcast New Hampshire Network. You can find out more about that at www.podcastnh.com. And there's a lot of great podcasts on that network if you want to check out some more podcasts. And like I mentioned at the top of the episode, our new schedule for streaming is going to be, we're going to do Tuesdays for other games. So that's, you know, it could be Vigor, it could be some Sea of Thieves, we could stream some Vermintide, depends on, you know, the week, but every week we'll be streaming some type of game on that Tuesday. And then on Fridays, we're going to stream State of Decay 2. And hopefully these streams, I can get them to YouTube the next day. But next Tuesday specifically, at 10 p.m. Eastern to 2 or 3 a.m. Eastern time, I will be streaming Vigor. Vigor is a new Xbox exclusive game from Bohemia Interactive. So definitely check me out streaming that from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. And that's on Tuesday. And like I said, I'm going to try and get these YouTube videos of the streams up the next day if I can help it. And if you guys miss the stream, then that's okay. You can just watch the YouTube video and catch what happened on the stream. But that's pretty much what we have for today. So I definitely want to thank everyone for tuning in. It's been a lot of fun talking to some more State of Decay 2. And I can't wait to talk to you guys next time on Wednesday when we talk about our Sea of Thieves episode. We'll return to Sea of Thieves for the first time in a while and do an episode on that. So. Stay tuned for that episode, and I hope to see a lot of you on the stream on Tuesday. Thank you for listening to The Blaze Experience.